When we come into worship, we bring with us all of our thoughts, all of our ideas, our idea of who we are. And so I'm going to ask you, uh, this is one of my favorite songs, it's called The Well. And the woman who came to the well came with her idea of who she was, came with her identity. And so I'm, just as Jesus asked her to believe in him and abide in him and, and take what he has to offer, he asked her to set aside what she thought she was. So I'm going to ask you in this moment to, to center yourself during this song and to leave outside of this space and these doors all of the, the busyness and the thoughts of, of who you are and what you are and, and what you should be doing or could be doing. And just be with God in these next few moments that we're together. Leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. Leave it all. What you need, but you keep on searching. I've done all the work, but you keep on working when you're running on empty and you can't find the remedy. Just come to the well. spend your whole life chasing what's missing but that empty inside just ain't gonna listen when nothing can satisfy and the world leaves you high and dry just come to the well
down here today. Today's our last day in our sermon series, You've Got a Friend in Me, so I thought I would dress appropriately. I've really enjoyed this time that we've spent with Buzz and Woody and the gang. Today's our last day with them. When we last saw the toys, we watched as Andy uh, prepared to leave for college. How appropriate. This weekend, some of our own are off to college. Uh, I saw, I talked to Mike Brown, and he and Nancy loaded Ryan up this morning to head to Triune University, and we have incoming students here in Tiffin. Uh, we had a group from Heidelberg yesterday that Matt worked half to death, I think. Uh, they probably, they could have built a new church, it sounds like, from the, they were workers. So we, we welcomed some Heidelberg kids in as part of Berg Serve yesterday. So when we last saw the toys, we watched as Andy uh, prepared to leave for college, and he took the toys and introduced them to their new friend, Bonnie. And the toys then began to experience the grandness that was Bonnie's world. They began to realize that though change was scary and they missed Andy and Andy's room, that they could go on to fulfill a new purpose in life. They would no longer be Andy's toys, bringing joy and laughter to Andy's room. Now they were Bonnie's toys, and Bonnie loved her new toys. She was an imaginative little girl, and the toys began going on lots and lots of new adventures in Bonnie's world, and we find them at the beginning of Toy Story 4 doing just that, having an adventure in Bonnie's world. Jessie is the sheriff. She proudly rides Bullseye the horse in search of lawbreakers in the land. The rest of the toys go along on whatever adventure that Bonnie cooks up for them until Bonnie's mom and dad come in with a proclamation. Today was kindergarten orientation. This news falls like a lead balloon in Bonnie's world. She doesn't want to go to kindergarten. 
the toys know what this means for them. Long days of sitting around and waiting for Bonnie to come home. A tearful Bonnie heads off to kindergarten orientation with a stowaway Woody in her backpack. Woody declares that no one should go to kindergarten alone. Amen? Poor Bonnie. Look at her. That's how she feels about kindergarten. That's how, that's how Hillary feels too. Kindergarten is a very scary place, she thinks. And Bonnie struggles when she gets to her classroom. It seems like everyone has already made a friend. And there doesn't seem to be any friends for Bonnie. And so she settles in all by herself at a table. She doesn't even have the needed craft supplies to work on her pencil cup. Well, Woody cannot stand by and let this happen. He can't let his Bonnie suffer like this, so he takes matters into his own toy hands and sneaks off out of the cubby into the trash can to find something, anything, that can bring a spark of joy back to Bonnie. He finds some thrown-away craft supplies, a plastic spork, some pipe cleaners, some crayons. He knows what an imagination Bonnie has. Surely she can come up with something from these thrown away supplies. While Bonnie's distracted, he throws the supplies up on the table and then watches from the safety of Bonnie's cubby as she discovers this trash-turned treasure. Bonnie quickly sets to work. And soon we begin to see her creation take shape. The spork becomes the body, pipe cleaner arms, popsicle stick feet, mismatched googly eyes, and a big blue Play-Doh smile. Forky is born. Forky is quite a sight to behold, but Bonnie loves him. And she is happy once again because she and her new friend Forky can go through the rest of this very scary kindergarten orientation. And when they get back to Bonnie's world, Forky and Woody emerge from the backpack, and Woody introduces Forky to the rest of the toys and tells them how important she is to Bonnie. But the toys have a hard time accepting this because it's a spork, a dingy trash spork. With mismatched eyes and pipe cleaner arms, how could this have any value? How could this be so important to Bonnie? You know, we know how we feel about sporks, right? You want a fork, or you want a spoon. You don't want a spork. When we get sporks, we think, well. And here, Woody is declaring that Forky, this dingy trash spork, has value. You see, Forky also struggled to see his own value. Forky knew that he was made from trash. And all that he sees when he sees himself is trash. That's what he identifies as. And actually, he spends the majority of the rest of the movie trying to find a trash can so he can throw himself away again. Forky doesn't see that he's no longer trash. As much as Woody tries to explain to him, he doesn't understand that Bonnie doesn't see him as trash. She sees Forky as a beloved new toy friend. Once again, the simplicity of a toy movie speaks volumes. Our scripture reading today is taken from Ephesians 
from a letter that Paul wrote to the church from prison. In the paragraphs just preceding the ones that Diana read for us, Paul reminds the reader just how separated we were from God. He writes, we were dead in our sins, walking in our sinful and self-interested ways, interested only in our own desires. Paul reminds the reader that we were not living according to the purpose God had designed us for. We were living for our own purpose, through our own identity, trying to fulfill our own dreams and goals, not thinking of what is for the greater good, but what is for my good. And then we come to two of my favorite words in scripture. I always get excited when I see these. But God, you were dead in sin, but God. When I see these two words linked together, I know that something big is about to happen, that we're about to see the goodness of God. You were dead, but God. You were self-interested, selfish, immature, but God. You were childlike in your desires, but God. But God who is rich in mercy out of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive through Christ Jesus. But God. You ever watch Dr. Phil? Sidebar. You ever watch Dr. Phil? He hates the word but. You don't watch Dr. Phil, John? Come on. It's on... You know what? It's on the Oprah Winfrey Network all the time. So Dr. Phil hates the word but because he says, when you use the word but, you say what you think I want to hear, but here's what I really want to say. Here's what I really mean. You know, like if, if I made my, or, you know, made my mom mad and I said, well, I'm sorry I did that, but I really felt like I had to do it because, so here's what you want me to say, but... Here's what I really want to say. So in scripture, when it says, but God, here's what you need. I don't even know what she said, and I don't want to. Here's what our circumstance is, but God. Here's what you need to hear. But God, who is rich in mercy, loving us even when we're dead as sin, when we would consider ourselves as trash. But God brought us back to life. By grace, we have been saved, made new, a new creation in Jesus, raised up in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. By grace, we have been saved. God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus saved us as an act of mercy and grace. The Holy Spirit empowers us to believe this. While we were dead in sin, Jesus offered us forgiveness. Why? Why? It doesn't make any sense. 
Why would God save a sinful mankind? Why would God save me? What value does God see in me? Because you would say, Pastor, I know me. I know the deepest, darkest parts of me that I don't talk about, the worst parts of me. And and if that's true, if God knows those things, why would God send his only son to die for me? Why would the Holy Spirit work within me? Why? Because God loves you. You are God's beloved creation. In spite of the fact that humanity cursed God, rebelled against God, rejected God, denied God, sinned against God, worshiped other gods, despite all of that, despite all of the darkness and secrets that we try to hide, despite all of that, God loved us. God saves us. God creates something new within us. You are God's workmanship. You are God's creation. Look at how she looks at a spork that she made from trash. But he is her creation, and she loves him, and she sees value in him. Just like Bonnie took all of the thrown away pieces and crafted them together to create Forky, God created you before I formed you in the womb. I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And you say, but pastor, there's no way. You don't know my life. You don't know what's happened. You don't know my hurts. You don't know what other people have chosen to do and decisions and actions that have been taken against me. Hear the words that I say when I say that was not God. That is being dead in sin and hurting others. God never intended for you to be hurt. And God weeps for our hurts and he doesn't understand why others hurt us. He doesn't understand why we hurt ourselves. He doesn't understand why we all don't know how much we are loved. God knows if we did understand that we would never hurt another one of God's precious creations. Life is so complicated. Understanding ourselves is so complicated. Understanding others is so complicated. Understanding God is beyond our abilities. And that is why scripture calls us to trust in our faith. By faith in Jesus, we have been saved. God calls us to believe. We are called to have faith in how God sees us. When we accept Christ and put our whole faith in God's grace, we are made new. Paul wrote about it in 2 Corinthians when he said, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's God's promise. And you heard our youngest disciples say that we can depend on the word to keep the promise. Jesus died for you and for me. 
The question is, what will we do with this declaration? Will we believe that the old can pass away and that we can become new? Or will we try to return to our old belief system? Will we continue to believe in the worst of us when Christ died that we can have faith in the best of us? Forky spent the entire movie, the entire movie, believing that he was trash. He spent all of the movie using all of his energy to try and find a trash can or a dumpster to throw himself away again. That's what we do. We act on our beliefs. And if we believe we're trash, then we look for ways to throw ourselves away. If we believe that we don't have any value, then we find assurances of that. If we believe that we're not worth loving, then we look for people and instances to prove that we're unlovable. But if you are a Christian, and if you are a disciple, and if you consider yourself a follower of Christ, then you must allow yourself to believe that God saw so much value in you that Jesus came to die to offer you hope and salvation. Jesus came to die to make you a new creation. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus for you. And that might be too much for you today to truly believe. We say we believe it. We say, John, Jesus died for me. And then we look in the mirror and say, for you? Have you met you? Do we say we believe it, but do we believe it? Do we live it? You might not be able to accept that promise today. You might still be looking for a trash can to throw yourself away or a dumpster that looks like home. So I ask you, begin by wanting to believe it. Just, just think about it. I want to believe that Jesus died for me. And like a seed, it will grow. Begin with allowing space in your mind that someday through the work of the Holy Spirit, because that's the only way we can do this, is through the work of the Holy Spirit, that you can believe in the new creation that is you. And let your prayer be, I, I want to believe that. And God will continue to fan the flames of that belief. Friends, when God looks at us, he sees his precious creation, his very own child created in God's own image. He looks at us like Bonnie looks at Forky. I made you. I know you. She didn't see trash. She saw a treasure. You are God's treasure. Believe it. Stop looking for a trash can. And if this message isn't for you today, if you say, oh, pastor, I got it. I believe it. I live it. I got it. I feel it. I look in my mirror and say, look at you, God's creation. What are you going to do today? There's a bunch of forkies around you. I know a whole bunch of them. 
See, every time Forky would throw himself away, every time he went headfirst into a trash can, Woody was hot on his tail. Every time Forky would say, I'm trash, Woody would say, you are a toy. You're Bonnie's toy. Woody knew that Forky was important because Forky was a reflection of his creator and Forky was cherished by Bonnie and Woody did everything he could to convince Forky of his value. He would not let Forky throw himself away. It was exhausting. I mean, this spork, he was intent on returning to the trash that he called home threw himself out of a Winnebago driving down the road, and Woody dove right after him. It was exhausting, but isn't ministry always? Isn't evangelism always? Isn't discipleship always tiring? Because that's what Woody was doing. He was trying to reach and teach Forky. He was asking Forky to see something in himself that he couldn't see. You know any Forkies? people who don't see value in themselves, people who are actively working to throw themselves away. God is counting on us to love others, to minister to others, to help others know him. Jesus, the living, speaking word of God said, this is my commandment, love others as I have loved you. Tell the forkies in your life about Jesus, invite them to want to believe it. Amen? Amen. That is my prayer that we all leave 